Before we begin today's story, I want to take a moment to talk about how you can support this show and the work being done with the project. Everything I do is in joyful service of the same goal, to help people connect with their shared lived experiences so that we may heal together from the inside out. Asking for money, or any help for that matter, is not something that comes naturally to me, especially when I have a paying job and people naturally might assume that I can keep up with the pace. So instead of burning myself out, I'm practicing what I preach and asking for the support I need to keep going. In order to justify the time it takes to write and produce this podcast and its accompanying newsletter, I'm asking for your support. Your subscription for $5 a month, and that's it, makes it all possible. If you're a free subscriber, you get my weekly story project newsletter and my What's Your Story podcast episodes for free delivered right to your inbox without doing anything at all. And it's important to me that everyone who wants access to my content can get it, regardless of their means. But if you're looking for something specific, more personal and connected, then upgrading your subscription for $5 a month is the way to do it. You get everything that I've already listed above, plus an added new layer of interactive features beyond the typical podcast offerings of ad-free listening, such as full access to my regular subscriber Q&As, where each week I answer a handful of reader questions about mental and physical health, as well as share some of the deeper details from the stories you hear right here on the podcast. You get periodic Google Meet Hangouts with me, bonus episodes of this podcast, and the ability to pitch stories and or ideas for the newsletter. Not to mention access to my full archive of content and other fun extras like live chat sessions and more. Buckle up, because becoming a paid member of this newsletter and its accompanying podcast is now the best way to support my content and to become a more active part of the storyteller community. And even without using any of the new features I listed, becoming a paid subscriber means that you're committing to helping me grow this platform and share stories in order to bring people closer together and collectively heal from whatever troubles us. The concept of processing trauma has become ubiquitous. Hashtag trauma processing has more than a million views on TikTok. There's no shortage of trauma-focused therapists sharing coping strategies on Instagram. And chances are you've had a friend or family member recommend The Body Keeps the Score, a 2014 book on healing from trauma that soared to the top of the New York Times bestseller list in mid-2020, where it's remained for 195 weeks total. This increased interest in working through trauma makes sense. Most of us have survived a traumatic event or situation of some type. From an emotionally tumultuous childhood to racial discrimination to a harrowing medical emergency or sudden loss of a loved one. The past few years with the COVID pandemic, the war in Ukraine, a rise in mass shootings and so many other tragic events have only added more distress to deal with. To be clear, Not every stressful experience is considered traumatic. While the definition of trauma is evolving in the mental health community, it generally refers to a person's psychological response to an event or series of events that threatens their physical or emotional safety, which can lead to difficulty coping and a slew of long-term mental and physical struggles, including, but not limited to, post-traumatic stress disorder. Likewise, Not everyone who experiences a traumatic event will have lingering effects. 
No matter your story, it's understandable if you've recently realized you're ready to confront your past and the ways in which it's negatively impacting your current life. But what does processing trauma even mean? And what's the best way to do it? Well, if you ask this week's storyteller, Pam, she'd tell you it takes time. In Pam's case, she began loving life in her 50s, and the way she did it? By writing her own memoir to inspire others to know it can, and often does, get better. So from Fragile Moments and Not Today Media, I'm your host, JD, and this is story number 44 of the What's Your Story podcast, Hypno Breakthrough. My name is Pamela Topchian. I live in the Northern California um, in the U.S. And I am a former nurse, a certified hypnotherapist, and a pet sitter, which I love so much. And I wrote my memoir. Um, I didn't come this far to only come this far because I've had a life of trauma. And I have learned only about that in my 50s, that the whole childhood of trauma has led up to a total mental break when I went to therapy. And only in my 50s, after therapy, did I realize how much of that childhood led up to where I came to yeah. that big mental break. That's and interesting then, already. Yeah. We get and, caught up in like, you know, the, you, you said it like so many times just in like that short bio of like, you know, only in my <laughs> 50s, but it's like, we forget that like, you know, that can happen anytime, you know, like I yeah. seen that the news, like, can you, like it was Sama, Sama, way off track, but we'll cut that out. But <laughs> Sama Hayek was like in the, she posted some video, like picture the other day. I think it was like her birthday. Maybe that's why she did it. But they're like, can you believe that? Like, you know, look at her. She's 56. I'm like, she's 56. Like she's not 96, which still is fine. But <laughs> right, why are we right. doing this to people? You know, yeah. I get, you know, I even did it to myself in the beginning. Like I'm 42 in my, you know, why am I doing this? I'm 42, you know, um, <laughs> but we so easily get caught up in like the age of things that it's like, you can, yeah, life happens when it happens, you know? Right. And, and I do believe that everything happens in the right timing that it's supposed to happen. Yeah. And um, so, you know, learning about what everything happened to me, learning about it in my fifties, I feel like, I couldn't have been the person I am today without all of that yeah. before me. And yeah. being a hypnotherapist, I couldn't have been as good of a hypnotherapist or had the um, empathy that I have and to be as passionate for what I do for my clients if I hadn't been through all that myself. Yeah. Because the people that I feel benefit the most from what I do are the people like me that were, you know, stuck or had tried everything already or have had, um, you know, had trauma in their past and just don't know where to go anymore, yeah. don't know what to do anymore. So, um, so I know that I'm better for having been through all of that. All that. So then yeah. where does your story begin? Well, <laughs> my story begins in when I was nine years old and my parents divorced and all my friends were telling me, oh, good, you're going to have two homes and you're going to have two Christmases, you know, yay, yay, yay. And 
that's good for you. And, mm. and no, no, I was going to say, no. oh, this is a sad situation. This isn't fun <laughs> party time. This is. <laughs> so my dad was a deadbeat dad before that was even a term. So back in the seventies, we never saw him. He didn't help my mother um, with any kind of, you know, he never took us for weekends or even an evening or a day or whatever. He never paid her anything. And um, I had two sisters. So she was with three daughters off on her own in the 70s. And she didn't have a college education herself. So she had to really work hard at a few different yeah. jobs. So what ends up is we're neglected. We don't have enough food. We barely have, you know, clothes to wear. We move a lot. We're evicted a lot. I end up being a teen mother. Um, before all of that, my uh, oldest sister was killed in a car accident. Hmm. And, um, and it was only at that time that my dad kind of started coming around. But it wasn't until we started having me and my other sister started having children that he started coming around. So, um, so that's kind of where that starts. <laughs> and that's all within, I mean, you, you mentioned like divorce at nine and then go to, you know, when, you know, your, your older sister, you know, passed away, unfortunately, like what, what time frame are we talking here? So she passed away, um, just before I turned 14. Yeah, so I mean, about five years that. of yeah. us, um, moving from apartment to apartment, my mom trying to just keep food on the table, which she didn't really do a good job of. <laughs> and I'm not blaming her for that. It was the seventies. Um, yeah. it's hard for women to, to make a wage sure, to yeah. support a family, um, which she ended up having to do at that point. But, um, so just really being, you know, going through neglect and because of some of the places that we lived in, I had some a couple date rapes in my early teens, um, I was sexually assaulted by older, um, like young men. Uh, I was unsupervised, you know, no guidance, just kind of off on my own in the streets. I'm sure that my sisters were supposed to kind of watch me and they never did. Um, but, yeah. So I was really alone. Yeah. yeah. And all during like, I mean, the most like transformative part of years. Right. I mean, you know, it certainly continues on, obviously, but I mean, that's right. like the the most crucial point. Um, right. The times that I could have used a mother and yeah. a father for that matter, you know, um, I didn't have any of that. Yeah. So I had two abusive marriages and of course I did, <laughs> you know, when you look back, it's like, how, what did I know of healthy relationships, right. yeah. you know, and what did I know about standing up for myself or anything? So, um, Going back to that, as far as standing up for myself or even showing, knowing that what I felt mattered. Um, so when my sister was killed in the car accident, we were in the hospital and my mother's friend was with us because she drove my mother. Um, she, nobody was going to let her go alone. And so that woman says to me, she puts her finger in my face and she says, don't you cry don't you cry. You have to be strong for your mother. And this is 1980. And it's a couple days before I'm 14. And <laughs> it's like, wait which a is so damaging. Yeah. <laughs> Even now I, mean, I have a hard time crying. Yeah. So, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, you know, it's 
I mean, I wouldn't say like bad advice. I mean, it, you know, it's certainly like probably, <laughs> you know, well-intentioned, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, like watch your audience as well, right? I mean, right, right. you don't even know what that emotion is, let alone how to deal with it, right? Right, right. And that's that's probably for me my biggest, one of my biggest things if I went back to therapy now would be I need to understand my emotions. I need to be able to express my emotions. Yeah. I don't have any of that still. And I have been through therapy um, after my second divorce. So um, we're kind of jumping around a bit, but <laughs> no, it's okay. but yeah, so, so the emotions were all messed up from there. But before that time of that woman saying that to me, there was nobody around. So I never told anybody anything anyway, because I didn't want to upset my mother sure. and she was so tired when she was home. She was really, I already knew that she was very stressed and depressed. Um, I commend her for hanging in there because I'm sure that she, you know, was probably suicidal, but just hanging on because of her yeah. daughters, you know? Um, so I never knew that mm. what I was feeling mattered anyway or anybody would care and then this woman says that to me and then I go on to have two you know abusive marriages yeah <laughs> so yeah it makes you stop and like you know kind of rewind in your own head years later and go like were they connected is there something that could have been said supported you right know, thought of differently you know hindsight you know of course but it does you know make you want to try and put the puzzles together a little bit differently right and when I had went to therapy, that's when I first realized, and it was a huge sort of epiphany for me that, oh, yeah, that the whole childhood led up to these toxic marriages. You know, I didn't even connect those dots until therapy. Yeah. And that's when I started the, writing the book, too. And it was more for my own therapy. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily to be published. And just by writing it all out, and going to therapy, I could really see, you know, you, you had it down there written out, you know, what yeah. this led to this, led to this and led to this. And then it makes more sense. And then you're empowered to feel like you have more control over things and you get yeah. to know yourself better and why you are the way you are. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, you know, as as you start to, to process those in your own, basically your own terms, you know, mm -hmm. with with the support of, you know, therapy, but yeah. what starts to, what starts to transpire that, you know, you weren't necessarily ready for, or weren't necessarily expecting to, to come out. Well, um, just the feeling so empowered and getting to know myself, I didn't expect, I didn't expect to, I never would have thought I'd be living the life I am today. I never would have thought that I, could be in a healthy relationship that I could love my life and love myself. I never even had any idea of how this would feel or that this was even possible. And so that was just amazing for me. And, and I did, yeah. So that's, that's the biggest sort of takeaway. And when I went to therapy, I was suicidal myself at that time. And that big epiphany was sort of like, Oh, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be able to live. It yeah. was just like, 
a big relief, like, oh, now I can see the healing happening finally, you know, and I didn't know it was possible. And it was kind of a, kind of a last ditch effort kind of a thing. This podcast is humbly sponsored by BetterHelp. As a holistic health coach turned mental health advocate, I know the importance of finding the right support. Why? Because I've been battling anxiety and depression for over 10 years, and I know I'm not the only one who struggles with their mental health. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, BetterHelp is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen. Talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. All you do is just fill out a questionnaire and help assess your specific needs, and then you're matched with the therapist in under 48 hours. I say this all not as someone telling you to simply click on another sponsor, but as someone who's been seeing a better health therapist for the past year. I've never felt more valued, respected, and full of hope for my mental clarity than I do with each passing session with my therapist. Join the 3 million plus people, that plus being me, who have taken charge of their mental health when experienced better health therapists. As a special bonus offer to listeners, you get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. Remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. And how so, do you, I mean, how do you get to that point? I mean, we, I know you, you know, you, you have people all the time, like talk about being, you know, in abusive relationships or you know, mm-hmm. having a, an abusive past, you know, from family members or, you know, parents altogether, yeah. you know, how do you, how did you start to connect the pieces there that not having a, a like a firm definition or a firm, you know, foundation to stand on of what a, a meaningful, healthy relationship is, mm-hmm. how do you get to that point of saying, no, I don't know what it is, but this one twice is not right. Like, how do you, how does that eventually? Well, with the second, the second one, I had to call the police after being physically, you know, abused to the point of being unconscious. And so that was the first one was abusive, but not, it was more, um, demeaning and, um, you know, emotional and, um, verbal abuse. And then the second one was even worse, (laughs) was abusive in every way. And so after that time where I had to be, I had to call the police to get out, of course, then divorced. And then I was living alone. And again, it was kind of this like, oh, yay, everything's going to be good now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have, you know, two Christmases (laughs) all over again. (laughs) Right. It was just really the expectation of you. Now I'm on my own yeah. and now I now everything will be great. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when I really got into a deep, dark hole. And it was just the CPTSD, you know, creeping up on me now yeah. that I didn't have to be so busy taking care of everything. And I just kind of was able to exhale and just kind of relax. And then the nightmares came and the everything you know, says hello. Yeah, everything says yeah. hello. Exactly. Exactly. So so I got to that place where I was suicidal, very anxious, very fearful all the time, nightmares, night terrors, barely able to take care of myself. 
And a friend says to me, so I had this friend that we were both going through very similar situations, just got out of really nasty divorces, really anxious, really depressed. And a friend said to him, why don't you come stay with me for a little while? Maybe a big move will be the thing that helps you to restart and get out of this funk that you're in. And so that was in Missouri and I'm in California now. And so that person was going to go to California and do that. And they were like, I don't know if I'm going to, but maybe that might be something you want to do, you know, just start fresh somewhere else. And so I contact my landlord and I say, you know, just a heads up, you know, I might be breaking the lease. I'm thinking about moving out of state. And um, they said to me, oh, good. We were going to sell the house anyway. Can you be out in two weeks? (laughs) (laughs) So I said, well, Well, I'll try. I guess my decision is made. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And uh, it was the best decision I ever made because um, it was the first year was rough in California, but I got on that bus three day ride with a one way ticket, sold just about everything I own last ditch effort. I was already, you know, making plans for suicide actually at that point. And so I didn't really care. was really numb on that bus ride and I didn't care. It was like, well, if it doesn't work out, you know, I gave it another try. Um, and so when I came to California, is when I finally got some therapy. But like I said, the first year was pretty rough. I was kind of bouncing around in different kind of caretaker jobs because I am a nurse. But when I moved to California, I didn't know that I was going to stay there. I didn't know that I wanted to continue nursing. So I didn't get my license switched over to the state. Yeah. Um, I knew I couldn't do that work at that point in my life anyway. So I was just taking sort of... a whole other level of like shared compassion. Um, My wife is a oncology nurse navigator. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And like a deep level of like, you know, nursing. But yeah. yeah, I mean, on any level, right? I mean, you're, you're having to put a lot of energy of your own. If yeah. You're doing, if you're doing it, you know, for the right reasons, you're putting your right. own heart on the line. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that I could not do that at least for a little while if I wanted to even do it again. Yeah. So, So I start taking these caretaker jobs because in California, it's different than a lot of other places that there are a lot of these live-in sort of caretaker jobs. So I did a few of those before I kind of, you know, uh, found my way. But but I was able to get therapy while I was doing that. Mm. And so I know we're bouncing around, but I already talked about that little therapy story. That's okay. That's okay. It's the beauty so of I, editing, really. I mean, that's what I said. I mean, I want that. I mean, the conversation. I mean, look, I'm rambling on about things that anyway, but yeah, that, I mean, that's what happens, right? When you're yeah. talking, like, there is no coherent, like, and then people can feel that too, right? If I'm yeah. constantly asking a question to you, you know, it's like, um, no. <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't, I didn't know. Um, yeah. You know, cause then it reminds me of something else. So yeah. So I had went to therapy I'm in California and that's when I started writing the book. And as I said, it was more for me. It was kind of a, you know, in case I didn't make it in case the suicidal thoughts won out. And then there would be sort of a record of what happened Nothing. from my own perspective, the whole life story kind of a thing. And 
One interesting thing about that that I didn't realize until I was on another podcast um, for fatherless daughters, and my dad is Armenian, so I'm half Armenian and half German, and I always wish I kind of knew the Armenian side, Hi. and um, you know, my grandmother spoke Armenian, and I, my dad never spoke it, and I know that he had some strange things in his childhood because his parents were from Armenia and um, we always were going to have some conversation at some point and we never got to because he died early and so I know that part of why I wrote my story was because I don't want my kids to someday say yeah. What happened? You know, what yeah. was going on with mom? You know? Yeah. And I think it would be really, really cool. Like right now, if I had my grandma, my great grandma, great aunt's sort of yeah. memoir of even just what life was like for that person in my family generations yeah. ago, I thought that would be a really great thing to have. And um, so that's part of part of why I wrote that too. Yeah. Yeah. Stories, stories have a way of connecting. It's not just you know, not just you know, for a healing, and not just for he- you know, sh- hearing it for entertainment. I mean, there's there's value in there. I'm, oh yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, I that's that's probably what sticks me to, to you know, keeping a journal. Yeah. Um, in fact, I gave one to my wife for Christmas. Um, oh nice. You know, one up, one at Christmas, and I, and I I put that on the inside jacket, almost like word for word what you said that our our kids deserve to to he- like hear our story and we're open books anyway to them. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that wouldn't have been a problem, but that way it's like, Oh, there's another side of mom and dad that I didn't know right. or, you know, just never came up, you know, it's not like you're hiding it, but that way right. there's something. No, I'm, I'm right there with you for sure. Right. And the interesting thing is too, the age that you're at right now, when your kids are your age, they're going <laughs> to think, you know, look how young mom and dad were. And we thought they were <laughs> these, you know, these really, older, you know, yeah. <laughs> grownups. And, yeah. you know, they don't realize that we're growing up with them. With we're them. learning as we go when we're parenting, yeah. right? Absolutely. <laughs> so that kind of stuff is really, really neat to see. Yeah, that's uh, great to see. Absolutely. <laughs> so then, yeah. you know, as you travel along here, uh, you know, how do you get into the the work you do now? Um, how did that come come up as? Yeah, so, so eventually I started nursing again. <clears throat> In California, excuse me. And um, it just is not, it's not working out. It's not very well. There's just uh, so much business. And you probably know this. There's too much business and not enough caring for the patients. Yeah. Everybody's overworked. Everybody's overstressed. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not safe. And um, so I... I had taken hypnotherapy. I had taken a holistic healthcare course in 2010 in the middle of, you know, my second marriage. Um, just trying to find something a little more holistic and natural than what I was doing at that time as well. And, um, it was kind of a dream that feels like it kind of died. You know, it was kind of lost there because it wasn't able to continue on. So then when I came to California and I was nursing for a while and I was still feeling this, you know, feeling this way again, it was horrific for me. I didn't want to keep doing it. And I did this sort of guided meditation as to what, like for your life purpose. And, uh, I saw myself doing hypnotherapy 
And I was like, oh, it's coming back to me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you, universe, you know. <laughs> and so then I just started looking into it. I had no idea how I was going to transition yeah. from nursing to hypnotherapy, but I thought I need to look into it. And I actually had this kind of deja vu moment as I was looking into it. And I went to the school to get information. And, um, and so it just all worked out where I was able to transition into it. And then it was 2020 and our classes went from in-person to online. So I started yeah. taking people online during the pandemic and um, was able to transition out of nursing into hypnotherapy. And it's been amazing. And being that I do this online or on the phone, um, then I'm able to do the pet sitting as well. Yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah. So I had a friend that was um, a pet sitter and she had an injury and she had asked me if I could pick up some of them for her since she knew I was kind of working from home. And this is after 2020. This is after the, um, yeah. the lockdown. Uh, so business was starting to pick up for her, but she couldn't do it. And I had done a lot of work with animals and done some pet sitting myself, be, you know, before that even, um, just out of the love for animals. And, yeah. um, and so then I started picking up for her and I got my own clients and I just was so busy doing it. And I loved it so much that I just kept it up and it just kept keeps up. growing. I turn people away all the time for it. <laughs> but you I find that it. both of those things between, you know, pet sitting and, you know, you know, being a hypnotherapist, you know, obviously it's what you do to, to make a living, but do you find that they're kind of intertwined with your, your own <laughs> like support and, and, and healing? I mean, the, the pet it's, part it's, of it is obvious to anybody who owns a pet that like, of course, but of course. Right. <laughs> right. You, and you, I get the best of your pet, you know, like, so it's like a little bit different approach to it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm like the grandma, you know, I get to like <laughs> love on it and, you know, <laughs> and just, you know, take care of it and, and At give it extra day, cuddles home. and then I go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm getting paid for it. So yeah. I love it so much and I don't have their <laughs> vet bills, you know, or their food bills or anything. So it's, it's really great. And it does, it feeds my soul to, you know, yeah. not only the pet, it's pet therapy, right? It, right. <laughs> I mean, every, everybody who has a pet or cares for pets, it's pet therapy, right? But, um, but for doing the hypnotherapy as well and seeing these people come out of these places that I was in and, and coming out of it, yeah. you know, or, you know, whatever their issue is and seeing these transitions in life, every time yeah. I give a session, I get probably as much out of it as they're sure. getting out of it. And I, I just it, love yeah. it so much. Yeah. So I feel so good about it compared to with nursing. I never went home feeling so good about it. Yeah. You know, I never came home feeling like I did everything that I could have done because I didn't have the time or the resources, you know, and so yeah. much was out of my control, you know? Yeah. So, so thank yeah. you for sharing your story here. Yeah. <laughs> What's Your Story is produced by me, JD, with background piano music by Chad Lawson. These beautiful, inspiring, wonderful stories, they're all yours, listener. So if you've got a story you want to share, you can do so by heading to fragilemoments.org slash tellyourstory. If there's something that rang a bell with you today or something that truly touched your heart in today's episode, let me know by sending me an email at jd.jedi at fragilemoments.org. Or you could just tag the show at 
at StorySharingPod on Twitter as well as Instagram. Thanks once again for choosing to listen, and I look forward to hearing your story one day, because we all have within us a story to tell, a song yet unsung.